Well, good morning. If we haven't met before, I'm uh, Pastor Tony Rogness. I'm Campus Life Pastor over at our West Campus, and I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning. And I, I, since we decided on the, uh, the theme for our Advent series, I'm, I've been excited for this theme. Not just the theme, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, but, but this theme of an Old Testament Christmas. The idea that, that this Messiah that we celebrate the birth of at Christmas time is not just something that we recognized was important kind of in retrospect. It's not just that, oh, 30 years later, 40 years later, we recognized what all happened and after the resurrection, we went back and said, oh, oh, yeah, that really was cool, wasn't it? But no, this was, this Messiah that had been promised had been long expected indeed. And in fact, an opportunity to take a look back into the Old Testament and back into the prophets does us some good. And so today, our, our uh, text for this theme, the next in this, in this set of texts from the Old Testament, comes from the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last in our, uh, in, in, in our Old Testament as we have put it together. We've appropriately, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say we, although I'm thinking of we the church, but, but those who put together uh, the Old Testament as we know it, put Malachi at the end. And that's, a, that's appropriate. Malachi in the Hebrew The word Malachi means messenger. And so there are some who suggest that Malachi might not have been the name of the prophet who wrote this. In fact, some suggest it might have been the prophet Ezra. I'm not sure it's really all that valuable for us to try and figure out who it was that wrote it. But the time frame is valuable. Malachi comes at, at after the Israelites have come back from captivity in Babylon. And Malachi really is one of the very last prophetic voices that speaks into this before Christ arrives here on that first, what we now call Christmas. And so this, this prophet, this messenger, this, this Malachi leads us in this time of anticipation. But there's 400 years or so between Malachi and the birth of Christ. And so especially for Advent, Advent has this kind of twofold piece. First of all, the anticipation of our celebration of Christmas but also an anticipation that, that this Christ who came and redeemed us the first time is coming again. And if you're like me, sometimes it's hard to live in that anticipation. Like those 400 years between Malachi and the birth of Jesus, 
I sometimes get in this time frame where I think, you know, my, my grandparents and my great-grandparents waited for the second coming of Christ and they didn't see it. And it's easy for me not to anticipate it as well. So I'm going to read this morning and, and we're going to look into a little bit Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to focus on verses 1 through 6. Malachi writes, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be accepted to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. And so I will come and put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers and adulterers and perjurers and against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. And so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Father, these are your words. As we look at them this morning, would you use them to shape our hearts and our minds and our lives? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Malachi begins in this chapter 3, he begins with the promise of a messenger. That messenger we know is, is, is not Malachi, the messenger, but we realize later because in the New Testament we see it and Jesus identifies that messenger is John the Baptist. But after the messenger comes, he says this, suddenly... The Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. Imagine that. Suddenly, after 400 years of silence, when an awful lot of people are tired of waiting, and some of them probably wondering, is, is the Messiah ever going to come? Maybe even some are just going through the motions. Right? Some are just going through the motions. I suppose Messiah's coming. I know. I've heard it. We're waiting. Ah, maybe they're even tired 
of waiting. And the prophet says, but, but suddenly, suddenly the one you're waiting for is going to appear. And then the prophet asks this question. When he comes, who can stand? Right? He says it, he, he starts with who, who can endure the day of his coming? Who, who can even stand when he appears? Have you ever been in a place where you all of a sudden realize I'm I'm not sure I belong here, right? I'm, I, I, I'm not sure this is a place where I ought to be. As I was thinking about that, my, my mind went back to my eighth grade year. I went through a, an elementary school that was K through eight, and then we went to a different high school, and actually our high school was across the border into Minnesota. I grew up in South Dakota. And as our, as our eighth grade class was getting to the point where we were going to finish elementary school, our local, uh, our local uh, group of veterans decided we need to get these kids to see the South Dakota State Legislature before they go all the way across into Minnesota for, for high school. And so uh, the American Legion put, their, put some of their resources behind it, and we jumped in a van and drove the three hours to Pierre, the state capital. And actually one of our neighbors in that little town was currently serving as the, as the representative from our district in the House of Representatives. So so he was out in Pierre because the legislature was meeting and he acted as our host and we got to sit in on a committee meeting and we got to sit in on, on watching the, the debate at the House of Representatives and a little bit of time at the Senate. But one of the things that this guy lined up was a particularly special meeting. We were ushered in to this beautiful waiting room to this office, but in this office was this really nice waiting room. The chairs were plush and, 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 and almost so formal they weren't quite comfortable. And we sat there until in walked Governor Richard Kneipp. Now, as a 14-year-old, I had seen the governor on TV, on the news program. I'd heard about what the governor was doing. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here in this room, and, and that's the governor. What, what am I doing in this room? I, I don't think I belong in this room. And all of us, you could tell, kind of got a little bit uncomfortable, like, oh, what are we supposed to do? This is the governor. And of course, now I look back on it and I realize the, the, the governor relished an opportunity to come in and speak with us for about five minutes. And, and <clears throat> it, it really is a, it is a great memory. But it's one of those cases where when the prophet says, when the, when the one you're seeking comes, who can stand in his presence? In that day as a 14-year-old, I'd, I'd have never dreamt 
of standing up and taking three steps to, toward the governor and meeting him at the door and sticking out my hand and saying, nice to meet you, governor. I had no business there. So, so of course, Malachi's question is, a, is an important one. Who can stand? Who indeed? The prophet goes on even to identify a couple of reasons why we might feel that way. Good and valid reasons. First, in, in verse 2 he says that that this one who comes, this Messiah, he comes as a purifier. He says in verse 2, he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. You're, you're maybe familiar with, with how refining gold and silver works. Right? They take the gold and they heat it up. Put a fire under it and they heat it up until it boils. And the hotter it gets, the more the heavy gold or silver sinks to the bottom and the dross, the, the impurities float to the top and they can skim the dross off and the, and the gold and the silver becomes more and more refined, more and more pure as the fire gets hotter and the impurities are taken off the top. And that's the, that's the image of this Messiah. He is the refiner's fire. The NIV that we read this morning says he's also a launderer's soap. A couple of other translations have used the phrase, he is the fuller's soap. I grew up hearing that, Fuller's Soap, and I kind of thought, is that a brand? Like, you know, there's Dial and Dove and Fuller. <clears throat> a Fuller is actually, is actually the person who's given the task of cleaning up wool. Cleaning all the impurities out of wool so that its natural white color can come out. And at the time, the fuller's soap was the soap that would take all the impurities out of the wool. And, and if you know anything about sheep, you know when, they, when you shear sheep, the, the wool doesn't come off beautifully nice and white. It comes out with all the dust and the dirt and the manure and everything else that they've been living in for the past year. So the fuller's soap, the, the launderer's soap, is the soap that makes the wool white. The imagery from Scripture where it says we'll be made as wool, we will be made white, is that wool that has been fulled. That's who he is. And, and if he is the one who demands and actually creates that level of purity, how do I stand? How can I stand? in the presence of the refiner's fire and the launderer's soap. Not only does the, does the prophet Malachi say that he's a refiner, that he's a purifier, 
But he also says he's the judge. He comes as the judge. He not only came as the judge that first time, but when he comes the second time, he's still going to come as, as the judge. He says, I will be quick to testify against. That, that courtroom language, uh, he, other translations say, I will be quick to judge. That, that courtroom language, again, brings me back to images of who can stand. Right? Who, who deserves to stand? He says, for example, I will be quick to judge sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers. All right. Maybe I stand a chance, right? Um, I, I haven't, I haven't, as far as I know, practiced sorcery. I, I even, I don't even really know sorcery. So maybe I'm good, right? Although, maybe the times in my heart where I've really sought after whatever kind of human touch I can put on something that will make me kind of like God. Maybe that condemns me. Jesus defines things like adultery and, and perjury or lying. He defines them for us. And and, and he defines them as, as if you've ever been that way in your heart, you're guilty of it. Like, adultery isn't just an, an adulterous act, but adultery includes the times in my heart where I have really kind of thought about sexual sin as if that would be okay. See, unfortunately, when we take a look at the reality that God looks at the heart, Malachi's question is even more condemning. Who can stand? Indeed, who can stand? goes on, I, I, I will bring judgment against those who defraud laborers of their wages. Well, again, thankfully, I don't have any employees, so I get to skate on that one, right? Or who can oppress the widows, those who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and, depri- and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, and, and, and don't fear me? He's going he's gonna to judge those. And, and honestly, I'd like to believe I've never oppressed a widow. I'd like to believe I've never oppressed the fatherless. And I, I'd like to think I've never 
deprive the foreigner of justice. In, in fact, I've spent a fair amount of time, and I'll bet most of you have too, I've spent a fair amount of time thinking about how should we treat the fatherless and the widow and the foreigner amongst us? And I've got some really good ideas. And, and you know what? I, I have, and I, what I'd really like to do is, is expound for a little while on the really good ideas of how we could care for the widow and the fatherless and the, and, and the foreigner amongst us. And if I'm really honest with myself, I probably spend more time trying to be right about those issues than I do really caring for the widow or the fatherless or the foreigner. You see, I'd like to pretend that I can stand on my own two feet on my own merits. But when I realize that I'm more concerned about being right than I am about caring for people, I realize I can... The only way I stand is I stand condemned. And then, and then, just when we realize that I have no business trying to stand in the presence of this one who is suddenly going to come, and maybe you come to that realization too, that you have no business standing in the presence of the one who has come, the prophet Malachi gives us verse 6. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. And so you, you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Are not destroyed. He comes as a judge, and he's going to judge everything that I am and, and everything that I'm not, and I have no business standing. And then the prophet tells me, I will not be destroyed. That phrase, you descendants of Jacob, that really refers to those who, are, who have placed their faith in God. Jacob is that, is that phrase for the people of faith. The people of God. We have no right to stand except that God's very nature is that He is a redeeming God. And the evidence of that comes in the events we celebrate at Christmas time. That God, from the very beginning, from His first promises, God is a redeemer. And he not only tells us that we have a Redeemer, but he tells us that in his Redeemer, in Jesus, 
We are not destroyed. We are not condemned, even though we deserve it. Both on his first coming, as he comes to to redeem us physically and and, and practically by his physical life becoming a human being, and and in his second coming, when he comes and we're going to see him face to face, and we recognize that we deserve condemnation, but we are not destroyed because God is and will always be a redeeming God. And so if we stand in Him, we can stand in the presence of the refiner, we can stand in the presence of the judge, The reality is that when Jesus comes again, the only way we will be able to stand in his presence is if we trust the one who came and redeemed us in that first Christmas. In him we can stand. Let's pray.